I couldn't stand all the religion that was going on in our house. I felt like I was suffocating. My dad, to escape because he couldn't stand it either, ended up leaving us and he would go out on the road as a traveling salesman for months at a time. And all I knew is that I wanted desperately to have his life and to escape. I made a decision that that summer I was going with my dad. And I just spent that entire summer with him. I was his sales assistant. Every single day, we had to come up with the money that day to survive the next day. We'd spend the night at a Motel 6, and we would get up at like 5.30 in the morning. And then my dad would yell, what's our saying? And we'd both say, the early bird has the worm. And we almost always made the deal. And it was before cell phones, and it was before any interruptions. We had 12 hours a day, every single day together, in the cab of that truck, just my dad and myself. And my dad treated me like a partner. One, two, one, two, three. We're speeding down the road, and the sun was out, and the morning air was still crisp. It was going to be a hot day. And we were belting out on the road again. On the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Willie Nelson, and that was our theme song, and we're singing along, and suddenly, my dad looks in the rearview mirror, and he's like, oh, we're getting pulled over. This really tough-looking highway patrolman walks up. He's probably six feet tall, and he's got this ranger hat on, and those sunglasses, and these big tree trunk arms. My dad rolls down the window, and he just barks into the window. Do you realize how fast you're going? He says, give me your driver's license. So my dad does. My dad is now holding onto the steering wheel, and he never gets nervous, but I can see that, like, his face is sort of turning this whitish color. So my dad, in addition to being a free spirit, is what he termed a creative financer. My dad was wanted for embezzling. He told me that there was a warrant out for his arrest. Before I even know what's happening, the guy is back at a car. He's ripping the door open. He's got his gun out, like two inches from my dad's head, and he's screaming at us to throw up our hands. hands He rips my dad out, takes him back to the back, throws him down on the trunk of the car. This highway patrolman, he comes over to my side, and I roll down the window. He's now got my dad locked in his car, and and he says, well, your dad's probably going to be extradited to Texas, and I I just don't know what we're going to do with you, but tell you what, since you're 16 and you're old enough to drive, why don't you follow behind us, and we'll go to the county jail and figure this out. I shift over into the car, and I remember looking at that clock radio, and it was 5.48, and it was like my world had stopped. So I drive into this little county jail, and I remember, like, by 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, it was already 95 degrees, and I'm just sitting in that car trying to figure out my life. Because up until this day, it was my dad. He was my escape. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like my escape route was suddenly in real jeopardy. I was petrified. I go into the court, and that same police officer who had arrested him was there. He had finally taken off his sunglasses. And the judge asks him what it's about. And he says, well, you know, I mean, he needs to be extradited to Texas. And that's the moment I found my voice. No! I yelled as loud as I've ever yelled the word no into that packed courtroom. It was the most guttural, gut-wrenching no you've ever heard. It was like everything that had been building inside me for years came out in that no. 
I had no choice. It was either speak up or my dad is shipped down to Texas and blocked away and I'm going to foster care until someone can work out to get me back to Utah and then I'm back in another kind of hell. There was no way I was going back to Utah or foster care. And the judge like, didn't even know what to do. Suddenly, all eyes are on me. And so he looks at my dad and he says, who is that? And my dad says, that's my daughter. Now I'm just sobbing, right? And, and so he motions me up to the front and I walk up. The judge looks back at this arresting officer and he says, can you please tell me what's going on here? And when the story comes out and they find out that I'd been with my dad and that they wouldn't even let me wait inside the county jail and that I'd been sitting in this hot car all day. And the judge looked over at that arresting officer and he said, how would you like your daughter to be treated like this? And then he looked back at my dad and he said, do you realize how lucky you are to have a daughter who loves you this much? My dad said, yes, we do. And the judge looked at us both, waited another minute, and he said, I'm letting you out on fugitive bond. On the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Big thanks to Ingrid Ricks for sharing her story with the snap. Now, Ingrid, if they ever lock me up, I hope you're there to scream me out as well, and I hope that you and your dad can get on the road again from time to time. That piece was produced by Jamala Henderson and Julia DeWitt, with sound design by Renzo Goria. Hey, Snappers, it's your boy Glenn. I'm going to ask you to do something we've never asked before. Support the artists that make this show happen. And we've made it easy. Easy to give us 10 bucks. Just text 20222 on your cell phone. Text them the word SNAP. You'll get a message back from our partner PRX asking if everything is cool. Text back yes, and that's it. You've just supported SNAP Storytelling with a $10 donation. That number, 20222. Just text him the word SNAP. It can't happen without you, and we appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you.